Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Engaging in Teaching and Learning, a podcast produced by the Virtual Learning Lounge, a network of online resources focused on teaching and learning at Las Cruces Public Schools. Through our interviews with LCPS staff, we want to celebrate what's happening in our district and learn more about how we can support all learners. I am your host, Jesse Perio. Thank you for being with us today. On today's episode, I am going to be talking with three Las Cruces High School teachers, Raul Perea, Anita Cummings, and Natalie Reno, about how they're planning for the full entry that's, that's happening next week. And this, this episode will actually air on Tuesday when we have students starting back, but I think it'll still be great for other teachers just to, to hear from some, some teachers about how they're planning their, their classes. Before we get into things, um, the first question, can I have each of you just introduce yourselves, uh, what you teach, how long you've been teaching, just to give us a little background on, on you. Anita, you wanna start us off? Sure, um, my name is Anita Cummings. I am the Education Pathway and teacher here at Las Cruces High as well as yearbook. This is my 18th year at Las Cruces High, 19th year in the district. And so I am looking forward to seeing my students. Cool. All right. that um, so I'm Natalie Reno. This is my first year at Crucis, but I've actually been in the district since 2010. I've taught anything from third grade, fifth grade, uh, middle school, all the way up in this, my first year in high school. Uh, and this year I'm teaching chemistry. I'm Raul Badan. This is my second year uh, as an educator. Uh, I am the agriculture and welding instructor here at Las Cruces High School. Awesome. And so this is great. We have a, a wide variety of years of experience um, and different levels. And you were kind of selected because you three are great planners. You teach some unique classes with yearbook, um, science labs, of course, Mr. Preya with your ag courses. So um, it's going to be really interesting to hear from you on, on how you are planning things out. Um, I know you, you've all been probably doing a lot of planning not only in your mind, but lesson planning as we, as we talk about bringing students in um, fully back into our classes, but also having to um, kind of do that in a safe way, uh, socially distancing to an extent, I guess the wording is to the greatest extent possible. So I know, I know some of you have some great plans. So kind of share with us, share with the audience now how, how you've been planning, lesson planning, your activities, your labs, um, how might things look differently in your, your lessons? And, and anybody can start us out. I'm, yes, go ahead, Natalie. Oh, okay. Um, so I know in chemistry, we are really excited, the entire chemistry department to move from videotaping labs in my kitchen um, to having the kids move from watching to actually doing. And so we've kind of put a lot of thought in how can we still do labs? Um, how can we assign out roles um, for the kids while still following guidelines and being safe? I'm, I'm such a rule follower. I think that's the thing that is my most nervous uh, is coming in and, and not really understanding exactly what I have to do. But I, I know that's what I'll take this week to make sure I keep safe. Um, but we're pretty lucky in chemistry because we're coming in in our stoichiometry unit, which is perfect because the lab that goes with that is an outside lab. So um, 
we're looking forward to being able to take the kids outside. It's, um, it's a baby bottle lab. So they'll be uh, having to mix different chemicals to create gas to make the baby bottle fly across the field. Um, and so I think we can keep that safe by making sure that one kid is on chemicals, one kid is the only one touching the baby bottle, another kid is possibly uh, measuring it out and writing it in the lab, and then we can sanitize it in between periods. And so to get the time for it to sanitize, um, we'll do some of our instruction part inside um, and then head out. That's awesome. And that, yeah, that's great that it just happened to be an outdoor lab anyway. That's timely, that's for sure. Ms. Cummings, you were about to jump in oh, okay. before I cut you off. Thanks. Um, so I, you know, I have uh, four different preps I'd look at, but so they're all have something a little bit unique and different. And um, my one for your book is probably my most unique class. Uh, I have a class of 30 and only really five, six of the students are returning. So they really understand and grasp the yearbook concept. So some of the things that we're going to be doing differently is my my students who are VLA will be contacting for interviews via um, text messages and emails to their teachers. And they will also be requesting pictures or photographs that we can use for the yearbook. So that will make it a little bit easier on our part because um, teachers are still engaged and active with their students. It's just we're not seeing it because we're not on campus yet so they have definitely a different a completely different role than my students who are going to be meeting face to face and my students who are meeting face to face are my actual my ones who are uh, my seasoned students and I have maybe one or two that I know of that are returning that are brand new but that'll give that opportunity for my seasons and students to work with my non-seasoned students and get them trained for the following year so their role is going to be different. They're going to be my active engaged ones in taking photographs for the yearbook in the sense of doing CTSOs, um, academics, like going out and taking pictures of Natalie's, um, her next lab that they're doing. I mean, those will be great yearbook pictures. And then just doing our sports and engaging with students around them, like, okay, how are you adjusting going from virtual back to face-to-face -face learning? So yearbook definitely, def definitely has a split role in how I'm going to be running that class. My other classes are very hands-on, so it's very hard to teach a education pathway course and say, just sit over there and read a textbook. So we're going to be taking what we've been doing online and reiterating some of the things that we've done virtual all year and now putting it into that form of how's it going to look in the classroom and them really getting that, those hands-on manipulatives and um, instructional strategies and learning how to use them in a classroom. So I expect a lot of hands-on activities with those groups. Well, and I think if we learned anything from this year, it's uh, being creative and changing the way we teach. And so uh, I think it will be a little bit of an adjustment to make take those hands-on activities. But really, I think um, the important part is just making sure these kids are engaged and having the opportunity to have the conversations um, and feel like they're part of a class. Because I think that's been the hardest thing about being online is they don't want to talk as much. And so it doesn't feel that like group feeling that you normally get in a classroom. Yeah, that active learning, that active learning is what I've missed so much about this. Mr. Perea? I think kind of uh, stepping back and looking at what we can do the next, I don't know, four or six weeks. Um, I think my intentions are is be as hands-on as we possibly can and staying, uh, staying within those guidelines. Uh, you know, kind of what my what Natalie and Anita said, uh, that engagement right now, you know, we've lost so many of those kids uh, 
just due to lack of uh, engagement, but I feel that we can bring those kids back, just kind of keeping them hands-on within my class. And when we started off, uh, you know, this time last year, I thought to myself, well, I don't know how I'm going to be able to teach welding online. I don't know how I'm going to be able to teach how to use a paintbrush online, how to cut a piece of wood straight, how to measure online and all that. So we've kind of had, you know, and, and Natalie and Anita can attest to this, we've kind of had to become creative. And now it's kind of, in my in my mind, it's kind of time to take those skills into, into action. Uh, we have several projects here that need to be um, sanded down, a bunch of the stuff that needs to be uh, uh, fixed and different things like that. And that kind of comes with, with the um, shop maintenance, uh, uh, vehicle and trailer maintenance, different things like that. I think is what I what I, my intentions are for this class, and, and especially you know as you guys know, being a, a, a solely hands-on class, you know it it gets a little challenging. But I think we're going to prosper in, uh, just in terms of how we do things, when we do things, and uh, um, I, I have great ambition that we'll get everything done. Um, just being creative in that aspect, I think, will be uh, one of the most important things. Yeah, and I think I think you're right, Raul, in the sense of um, focusing kind of on what we can do and not so much on what we're limited to, but really having that attitude of, wow, I have kids in the classroom again. What can we do that we haven't been able to do for the last three quarters? Um, and I think a lot of that in terms of science is uh, discussing data, being able to talk about variables with the different um, students in the class and just bouncing ideas off each other, which we really didn't get to do as much online. I mean, we invited it the best we could, um, but most kids are nervous when they're on an online atmosphere. And I really think we can overcome that and, and really just focus on what, what can we do in these last uh, you know seven weeks or so. Bring up a good point, Natalie, the, not only did we miss out on a lot of the the hands-on, but I know you could kind of have a discussion over Zoom, but not like you can in real life. Like I, I think that's just the the ability to bring that back to our classes is really powerful as well. And for some of these kids to feel like they have friends, I mean, even some of the ones coming back for academic support, some didn't need support; they just wanted to be in a room with other people. And so yeah. I think just providing that. Um, is going to do wonders for some of our kids who have been home alone for the last three quarters. So I, I kind of want to shift now. We, we talked about what you are going to do, the, the, the activities and the discussions with the face-to-face. -face. My first Canvas-related question is, for your, for your kiddos who are coming face-to-face, -face, how, to what extent, will you continue to use Canvas for those students. I just kind of wanted to see what what ideas you all, if you have thought about that. I have, and I've actually put out my game plan to my students the last two days while we've met, and um, I've explained to them like if they're here face to face, there's going to be a lot of student engagement. It's not going to be sitting here doing like a lecturing component. Um, so in my Canvas module, they'll still have. I'm going to kind of split my activities. So half of my assignment, my two of my assignments will be VLA because it'll be attached to that virtual learning. But the students that are in my class, because I can now see what they're learning and we can have that student driven classroom where they're driving the learning. And that to me is so important with a hands-on learning aspect of it and how they can utilize it. So 
in my canvas, Michelle, I am planning if they're here face to face with me that really that's going to come back to a reflection week on them of a student driven reflection. What did they learn? What do what do they need to know and where do we need to go next with this learning concept? So it becomes in my classroom more student driven um, instead of me doing all the driving this time. They're they're going to be doing the driving and that's what I'm kind of I'm looking so forward to that because now they can actually put every all those concepts together and really say, OK, now where can we go next with this? I, I really like that idea of the reflection on what they're doing face to face. That's cool. Well, uh, for chemistry, uh, we talked a lot about because it is an overwhelming feeling a little bit thinking, oh my gosh, I have to make sure my kids that, uh, that aren't coming to school are still getting the same instruction that the kids who are coming to school. And so we actually are going to rely on uh, Canvas quite a bit. Um, Nearpod has been our savior. Um, mm -hmm. As soon as we got Nearpod in the district and uh, we had it for chemistry, every week we create a Nearpod. And so our plan for chemistry is um, that we're gonna switch off making the videos going over the Nearpod every week that will be posted in Canvas for our kids who stay home. And then um, we're still gonna use the Nearpod in class because even if the kids aren't on their computer, it has our embedded videos that we use to teach. It still has that discussion component where we're gonna stop and have the conversation that we would if we were online. Um, but it still gives everyone that um, ability to participate. And that's what's so great on Nearpod is when you have the kids online who don't want to talk, they can type something, they can draw something. Um, and so we're going to have that ability both in and out of the classroom. But for our second assignment every week, which is usually something with the lab, our kids in the classroom will be doing the lab. Um, and if they can't do the lab, they'll have some kind of way to collect data, whether it be a model or a um, a pivot or something like that. And then the kids at home, um, we're going to take a video of the kids working in class and they're going to base their questions off what they see the kids in class doing. And so we're really trying to keep that consistency of everybody's learning the same thing, but we don't want to make extra work for the kids who are coming to school. So when they do those hands-on things and we're checking in class, I'm going to go on a campus and be like, oh, these 15 kids were here today. They get credit for their second assignment. And honestly, I'm not too familiar with Nearpod. I've, I've observed classes that use it. Um, is that, is, can teachers use Nearpod? Does it have to be live? I guess is my question. Can no, and that's what's great too. Um, so every week um, I actually have our live Nearpod that we use in class. And then I post one for the kids who don't attend class and they can go through the Nearpod and then I can get a report saying, hey, they did all these participation questions and I can see their work. Like right now we're doing stoichiometry, which is a lot of math, but I can see their thinking on the Nearpod because we have them draw it out. Um, and so it's great for students live. It's great for students who um, don't attend class can come back to it. And then we also post it um, because if someone doesn't understand something, uh, we make slides. It's basically like a PowerPoint presentation, but interactive. Um, and so if students don't understand something or they need to review it, that Nearpod is always posted in Canvas for them to go back and review it. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Preya, I think how will this, you? I think this area comes to a little bit more of a challenge to me. Um, I think, uh, you know, why recreate the wheel when there's already some stuff out there? I think we're going to tackle a lot of our... Uh, 
uh, shop maintenance and a little and a little bit of welding within these next two weeks. And I've been really grateful that our district um, purchased ICEV, uh, that curriculum uh, shows really in-depth videos of, you know, how to strike an arc, what does a, a, a good bead look like and different things like that in that area. Um, and just kind of like what I said, I don't want to be, you know, make too much work uh, when it's uh, the work's already done there where I can teach the actual um, process of welding uh, through the ICEV video where it's real crisp and clear uh, type video and then uh, still be able to um, do it in the uh, in in the laboratory setting right here with the students that do uh, choose to come back and um, so that's kind of what my ideas are for that uh, and they may change that's kind of the beauty about being in this and in, in the ag welding kind of area we may tackle um, the welding and especially and especially with the with the amount of time we're we're given you know I, I it's six to four weeks that's a that's a good little that's a good amount of time but not really in all reality. So I think uh, not really rush through things, but kind of touch a little bit on everything in the shop uh, within these next few weeks to get those kids kind of engaged, to get them that exposure. Um, kind of uh, like we were talking earlier, there's a set of students that have never stepped into the shop here. So giving that little bit of exposure and kind of get them hooked is my idea and having those kids come back to my class next year uh, and take more welding courses and then uh, just that's that's my intention for my class. I think what's cool about all all three of our programs we're all different but because of what we teach we have a, access to a lot of resources that we can pull in virtually and face-to-face -face. so students who stay virtually aren't they might missing the hands-on component, but they're not missing the information because there's a lot of resources like ICVE. I know chemistry has a lot of great resources as well. Mine do too, that you can pull in a quick video to show them something or a quick ed puzzle for them to work on and understand. And I think that's what the beauty of our programs are. Our students who are virtual and who are face-to-face -face are gonna be getting the same information, the same components. And that, that actually was gonna be my, my last my question but all three of you touched on it so that's perfect i was going to ask how how you're going to manage you know i i asked about canvas with your face-to-face -face kiddos but how you plan to manage without like working yourselves to death the the students who are, are requesting to stay fully online so i know you all kind of touched on that but is there anything else you wanted to expand on how, how you plan to manage those kiddos um I think uh, I think one thing um, that I'm so grateful for is uh, working with such a great team. And I think being able to rely on other people as well, like we've already made our schedule of who's making the video for the online students that week. And because we've been such a cohesive unit the entire year, all of our students know that like, if you're in chemistry, you're doing the same thing, no matter whose class you're in, Ms. Frostos, Ms. Woods, and um, Ms. Beauregard and that we're really a supportive unit. And so they have already seen Ms. Beauregard's emoji all over their notebook and Ms. Wood's emoji. And um, and we've, we've covered for each other and things like that when we needed to. And so I think just being able to rely on a team um, to keep your sanity when you're trying to do two jobs at once is just such an important thing. And I'm so grateful that there are so many helpful people at Crucis because 
I have not bumped into anyone who hasn't been like, hey, let me help you or how can I help? And so that's such a great atmosphere that I'm excited to come to school there, so. Yes, and that's that's kind of the main reason I had the three of you because you know you have that positive attitude. I, I think a good way to sum up this this episode is going back to what you said, Mrs. Reno. Um, I think if if teachers just focus in on like what are the possibilities, what can we do now that we get to come back? We get to come back. What can we do and not focus on? Well, we can't do this and we can't do that or we don't have this resource. Um, I think that's going to make uh, things, you know, a lot more exciting for the students, for teachers, for everybody as we come back. So thank you for, for saying that um, and bringing that to the audience's attention. So, and thank you all for like just being positive and um, sharing some awesome specific ideas for your classrooms. And, and again, thank you for joining me today. And to our audience, thank you so much for for joining us today as well. We look forward to listener feedback on today's show. Please follow VL2LCPS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please share feedback on the podcast and any ideas for future episodes on any of our social media platforms or at VL2 at LCPS.net. Thank you so much for listening today and we'll see you next time.